Welcome to episode 16 of the Triathlete Hour. This week, we have something special for you. We're talking to Olympian world champion and our current cover model, Katie Zafaris. Katie graces the cover of what was supposed to be our Triathlete Magazine Olympics issue on newsstands right now. Now, obviously, the Olympics aren't happening this year, but we wanted to still check in with our Olympians, Paralympians, and Olympic hopefuls to find out how they're dealing with everything and how they're adapting. It turns out they're doing a lot of the same things we all are. Getting on Zoom calls, getting bored, trying to stay healthy, and waiting for races to come back. You can read that story in our current magazine issue, and we'll put a link in the show notes. You can also become an Active Pass member to get a magazine subscription, exclusive content, partner discounts, and even two Velo Press books on training. In today's episode, though, Katie talks to us about more than just missing out on the Olympics. We chat about what it's like to spend 24 hours a day with her husband and training partner. She has some tips for all you active couples. And she tells us the story of how she was engaged with someone else when they first met. Katie also shares her insights on going from a scared post-collegiate newbie triathlete to overcoming her fears on the bike and winning the world championships. Katie is full of advice and some laughs. Now, we wanted to jump right into all of that without delay, so we won't be talking with another guest first this week. Our conversation with Katie right after this break. You don't want to miss anything we have coming. Subscribe to Triathlete Magazine on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts to get all of our latest right in your feed. Along with the Triathlete Hour, which features interviews with key figures in the sport, we have a bi-weekly training podcast, Fitter and Faster, which tackles tough training questions to get you fitter and faster. And we'll soon be launching a gear podcast to dive into all of your equipment questions. Plus, you can get the audio from all our triathlete live shows where readers are able to ask big names their own questions. All that on our Triathlete Magazine podcast feeds on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and SoundCloud. All right, this week we have Katie Zafaris, the Olympian, the world champion, and of course, like our current cover model on the current issue of Triathlete Magazine. Um, and you, uh, you're traveling all over right now, Katie, right? Like trying to find good training in COVID times. Yes, I think my definition right now of traveling all over is very different than <laughs> what it what it is most years. Um, but we've been once COVID kind of started ex- exploding, I guess, in the US, um, we had to leave a camp in Florida and we drove up to Maryland where my parents house is and kind of hunkered down there for the last few months. And then recently we came down to Cary, North Carolina, because we've been doing a lot of Google research on it, and it seemed like a place we might want to settle down and actually have a home and stay <laughs> for like majority of the year. So, so we've been we've been having a lot of fun just exploring this area, and then also um, it's great for training. So it's kind of a double double uh, positive for us right now. Right, I think you said you drove like in fifteen hours straight, right, from Florida to your parents. It was kind of crazy. Yeah. And like, so we had been planning to stay there till April 14th, even once our races started getting canceled, because um, we still had the houses down there. Like we have like, our squad had like 20 people and we had like five different houses. And everybody left like, like bits at a time, groups at a time. So it ended up being me, Tommy, my husband, and then one of our other teammates, Mendela Frentova from the Czech Republic. We're like, we're going to stay. We're going to hold out till April 14th. And then 
like mid well late march we're we're like vendela i think we're gonna drive up to maryland and she's like i think i'm gonna fly home so (laughs) we rented a van one way and tommy and i dropped vendela off at the airport on our way up and then i drove 10 hours and tommy drove five i point that out because i'm pretty proud of myself (laughs) (laughs) you just want to be clear right that you drove twice as much okay exactly yes (laughs) But you've been, uh, I can't imagine staying at my parents for three months, uh, especially like my husband and my parents all in one house. It seems, it seems kind of intense. It's, it's been really good. It's actually been a pretty good trial phase for us because one of the things as we're looking for a home is that we had invited my parents to, um, spend part of the time with us. Like, I mean, I'm one of, uh, three girls, so they wouldn't be with us all the time, but we were like, you can have a space in our home. So we're now trying to define what that space is, whether it's like a room or like its own in-law suite and a little bit of separation. But it's been actually like, we don't get to see my family so much like during the year. So it's been a really special time and we've gotten to do a lot together, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. uh, I think that's what a lot of people are saying, right? This is like a nice in some ways, it's a nice time to like get to see people you normally wouldn't see. You're not traveling all over because normally you would be traveling all over the world right now. Racing, race season. The Olympics would be happening in like two weeks, yeah. three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely really different. But there have been like a, quite a few silver linings. So like um, I got to be with my sister, my younger sister, who's getting married in January. I got to be with her when she found her wedding dress. Um, They were letting two other people attend the like dress fittings or whatever they are. So um, I got to do that, which was pretty special. I got to be there for my nephew's second birthday. I got to, um, I'm going to get, one of my best friends is actually getting married on August 1st. And that's, as far as I know, still going on. (laughs) And um, that was also the day of the mixed team relay. And I told her, I was like, I'm sorry, but like, I really hope I can't make your wedding because I want to be racing the mixed team relay. And I never thought that I might be able to go to her wedding and still race the Olympics. Like I thought it was going to have to be a one or the other type thing. Yeah. I think, uh, oh, I have to race the Olympics. is like a pretty okay excuse for not making a wedding. Yeah. Yeah, she she was very accepting of it. Though she was excited when we said we could go. <laughs> so obviously, we talked a bunch for the story in the magazine right now, which everybody can read. We'll put it up online and include a link in the show notes. But we, you and I talked a bunch about kind of how you're coping with the Olympics being canceled. Because I know it was sort of this gradual thing. Like, at first, it was like you were on your way to the first race of the year. You were literally at the airport when you found out it was canceled. Then you were waiting at team camp. And then... And it's just sort of like was hard to deal with all those little steps, right? Yeah, it was just super, I mean, it was really challenging with the uncertainty of it. And like as races were being canceled and things were shutting down, but then like is like our test event still going to happen? Is the Olympics going to happen? And it almost brought like more kind of peace of mind once the Olympics was actually postponed because it's like, okay, like, now we know we kind of have a better idea of going moving forward just a bit but um I remember when people were asking me about it in the very beginning like before Abu Dhabi before March and they're like they were talking about COVID and I thought like oh this is like the Zika virus for like going into Rio Mm -hmm. like I was just thinking it was um kind of getting like blown out of proportion and so I said like 
when reporters and people would ask, like, do you think there's going to be an Olympics? I was like, well, like, I hope there's an Olympics. And if there's not an Olympics, then whatever's going on is definitely more important or the bigger <laughs> issue than there actually not being an Olympics. And so that's kind of ha- that's still how I feel. I mean, doesn't feel like there should be an Olympics this right, year right yeah. now. <laughs> so, so I was pretty um, like, I think it was easier to handle just because they, it is postponed. It's not canceled. I think if it was canceled, like outright, that would be a little bit um, more heartbreaking to me and a lot harder to deal with. But I'm still, even though I understand there's still like some people saying it might not happen yet next year. I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm going to hold on to my optimism. <laughs> I'm going for it. Like until that changes, my, my goal is still the same. <laughs> Because they, because USAT, I mean, you hadn't qualified. Unfortunately, you had crashed at the only qualification event, so you hadn't qualified yet. So now USAT is also still like readjusting their qualification criteria, right? Like you guys still have to go through all of that now, right? And I guess um, the like best case scenario, it's it's still being worked out a bit, mm-hmm. but they're really trying to stay true to the original qualification um, plan and everything they'd set out for that criteria. So if all goes smoothly for like next year, it would be pretty much the same, same thing as this year, just like one year pushback. Um, so like hopefully like Yokohama 2021 would be the next test of the next test event or the next time to automatically qualify and then still having a discretionary um, position to for someone to earn. Right, right. Which is how you, okay, so people who don't know, Katie went to the Olympics in 2016, but it was like, there was kind of a discussion because you were on a discretionary spot. And at the time there was a lot of debate about whether or not it was going to be like a domestique situation where you were going to be asked to work for someone else. And ultimately you weren't, right? You got to race your own race, but that's like what's right. sort of weird about about ITU racing. Yes, and that's a big part of why I wanted to just qualify at 2019 and get it done with and know I'd already had it had it finished. It didn't work out like that, but um, other things worked out really well last year. So right, right. I mean, you right. did like become world champion, right? <laughs> so I mean, you became world champion last year. Um, but you've been racing for a long time. I mean, it's not like you be, you were not like an overnight success story, right? Like it kind of took you a while. And I f- feel like I was listening to your Finding Mastery podcast about like perfecting those skills. What do you think you, you know, why do you think it took you like so m- so many years? And what do you think you kind of learned over those years? Yeah, well, it's funny because I, I kind of feel like, like I still feel new to the sport <laughs> because I started in 2013 and I, I feel like the newbie still until I, and I feel young also on the race course until I look at the other ages. I'm like, oh, wow, like I'm not young anymore on the, <laughs> like on the course. Like I'm, I'm not the oldest, but I'm, I'm, I'm not the baby or the newbie anymore. And um, I think like for me, it was because I didn't start till after college, mm. like really my focus on triathlon, it was a big learning curve for me because basically my main sports were swimming and running, swimming from when I was young. Right. And then I had a little bit of a hiatus from that when I ran division one at Syracuse university. And I did that for five years. So, um, I had those down and I felt confident, but it was like really learning the bike. And, um, I felt strong on the bike from when I started, but the skills was something, the skills in both the bike component and the tactics in racing were like two things that I really had to 
gain confidence in and make it more intentional where I think when I first started, I had success in the World Cup and I had like multiple podiums, um, but I wasn't winning mm-hmm. um, consistently. And I think it took a bit for me to kind of figure out how to be really intentional about like my mental skills and um, learn trying to figure out how to best get better with the bike skills because a big kind of roadblock for me was my fear on the bike and mm. So when I would try to practice skills or go down a hill fast, like I would get so tense and like I'd break and basically that's making me more dangerous and more like (laughs) it's making it more scary on the bike. So um, I think Rio for me was really a a point of change with all that where um, when I went into Rio, everyone was really talking about the uphill and they were saying how how steep it was and that that was going to be the most challenging part. But I got there and I think I, I'm pretty sure I cried. Well, I'm a hundred percent sure I cried <laughs> seeing the downhill because, because it scared me so much and something I lost that in that race and um, in both the test event and in the Olympics was I had so much focused on my fear of the downhill that I lost sight of all my strengths that I have that can overcome that weakness of mine and so I would say like a difference is going into Lausanne after crashing in Tokyo like I still had like a lot of nerves with a technical bike course after just having a pretty bad crash Um, but this time my thought process was like all right well if I'm more like not not holding back but if I'm a little more reserved on the cornering that's okay I'm strong enough on the hills to catch up I'm strong enough like to do this and it took me from like a really weak kind of passive mindset to like a really power mindset of like, that's okay. I can still handle this, which also comes with like four more years of experience of racing and training. But, um, that was definitely a crucial part of getting me from where I was then to where I was last year. Uh, So you changed your mindset, but I'm assuming you also, uh, (laughs) have gotten better technically too. I would assume you've also practiced that. How do you practice? I think a lot of, you know, our listeners and stuff, I don't think they necessarily, you know, their races aren't draft legal. So the idea that these are really fast packs, you know, there is a lot of technical expertise there. It's hard. Like, how do you get better at that? Yeah. I I mean, we did a lot of different things. So like a lot of it was Joel, my coach, he started, Joel Filial is my coach and he started implementing skills, not skills practices in our training where we would just kind of go to a parking lot. It would be very casual, like at your own pace type thing. But then we'd also have like crit workouts that were also in the same parking lot, but that was like fast and high power (laughs) with a group. And, and I remember the first few, like a couple years ago, like I would like kind of shut down and get like just a, a bit overwhelmed to the point where Um, I wasn't very (laughs) productive, I would say. Um, But then once I realized that, like, you can only be the best version of yourself on each day, you can't compare even from a day to day aspect, because some days, like, some days, it just flows. And some days that you really have to work hard and um, try to make it flow, but it might, it still might not flow quite as well as the days where it just, you just can do it. And so being a lot more, um, just forgiving myself for like, if I made a mistake, like that's okay. Like get back in it, try again. And it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be better or at least another, another attempt <laughs> rather right. than 
kind of just shutting down and going like real slow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then the other part that's been really helpful to me is like following my teammates wheels and particularly like riding with Tommy. I realized I don't have to do an organized skill session to learn from Tommy and to follow his wheel. Like we'll be riding. I mean, I think even today on our ride, he like looked back at me at one point because if we go around a corner fast, and I'm I'm usually behind Tommy. There is not very many times that I'm in front of Tommy on a ride. Uh, some, but not many. And and so, like, whenever we go around a corner, he'll take it how he would normally. And then he'll kind of do this, like, he won't say anything, but he'll do this little look back to see if I'm, like, on his wheel or close to his wheel. And then I'll get a thumbs up if I'm <laughs> closer or right on his wheel. And it, it's been good for me to be, like, really just, not need it to be super organized, but just try and during a normal ride, if we hit a a part that could be considered like skills or a corner, then just using that as practice. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned, I was going to ask you because you two, obviously, you're trained together all the time, you are together all the time. Um, Tommy uh, photographs for the ITU, you guys both train with the same squat. He doesn't race that much anymore. But obviously, he's like, still pretty good. So you basically spend 24 hours a day together. Pretty much. We do. Yes. <laughs> that seems... <laughs> a lot. What are some tips on how to deal with that? Okay. Well, tip one is definitely communication. And then moving on slash forgiveness would be <laughs> my two my two biggest tips. Because like even today, I mean, we've... Something I've learned is, well, A, from when we... When that Tommy and I first started training together, um, he would tell... He would like give me advice. And I would snap back, like, you're not my coach. Like, you're not Joel. Like, I don't want to hear your advice. Right. And then somewhere along the line, I realized how valuable his advice was and became a lot more open to it. But something I think Tommy's really good at is now he's gotten better at it, but (laughs) is now reading me and like kind of basing off my mood of like whether I'm going to be like accepting for advice. And he'll say like, can I? And I've gotten better at being receptive but like he'll ask like can I give you advice and I'm like give me a minute and then like two seconds later I'll be like all right I'm ready and like or sometimes I try and guess what he's going to tell me because like I'm a reflective person so like sometimes his advice is just like a double like on top of what I've already reflected in my like mind of like yes I know that was not great (laughs) (laughs) um but then another like definitely um the other part is like today we were on the bike and we had a miscommunication during like our hill workout and it got kind of tense for a little bit but then just like moving on from that rather than like clinging on to like my anger or frustration but and Tommy's great at it Tommy's like we'll have like a tense moment and then like two seconds later he's like I I think anybody who knows him would like absolutely know what I'm talking about like he's just like oh like whatever, like, we're on to like, how was that? And he's just like, really chipper where I I would, I was the one who would hold on to it a bit longer. And um, I've learned to really let that go. But I do, I do think that just like having like, we have what I call me Mondays, where I just train by myself, I do my own thing, I'll grab my like headphones and go out the door and just do a run by myself. Because it is hard to like, be with someone all all of the time (laughs) it sounds it sounds hard to me um 
And I think the story of how you two met is funny, too. I mean, I, lo- I know some people know this, not a lot of people know this, but you were engaged to someone else. Yeah. I was. Yes. And then <laughs> yeah. you had to seize the moment, right? So. Yeah. Well, you know, like I met when I met Tommy, it was realizing, wow, this is how it's supposed to feel. Um, and like, I really, I like thought I loved my ex-fiance and it was, um, I just realized when I met Tommy, like it was a different feeling and I just really clicked with him right away. But it was crazy because literally I knew him for like a day and then we (laughs) departed ways. And so like I went home knowing I'm going to break off my engagement, but I didn't want to tell him that because I thought he'd think I was crazy. (laughs) So like, so we kept talking um, and I told him and he was, he did not think I was crazy and he still kept talking to me. And then we ended up married like a year later and have been married five years since then. See, so it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. And my, my ex-fiance, he's married, he's got lots of kids, so... I, I think we're both doing we're both doing pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like what I heard you say or something was about like one. I think it was maybe in one of those fighting matches, but that you can always change your mind, right? You can always change what you're doing. Like things don't have to be set the way they are. So you know, it's like a good life lesson. Yeah, and I think like for me, it was really scary. Like it was one of those things where I just knew. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not the type of person to do that, like, in general, like, to just, like, cut off an engagement. Like, that's not really me. But, like, I honestly think there was, like, a guiding force behind me. And it was just something that I knew was right in my heart, no matter what happened with Tommy. And um, and luckily, everything worked out, like, really, really amazingly. Because, um, yeah, it was really strange. (laughs) To like, I don't, I don't really know how to explain it. <laughs> okay, okay. I feel like you, I was actually, I think you might've actually been referring to uh, how you like, you went to college, you were going to get a job, you had this whole plan for your life. And then it kind of like went a different direction because um, you, like you mentioned, you ran and swam in college, but then you got recruited by like the USAT triathlon collegiate program, right? Where they like come out and find good runners and swimmers and they're like, Hey, do you want to be a triathlete? And so you had to decide, right? Like, I'm going to go do this thing I've never heard of before. Yeah, so that was before. That was also a hard, like, not a hard decision, but just right. one where you learn that uh, with, like, I was going to college, I was going to get married, I was going to, like, have a job, like, go to grad school. You know, I had, like, this list of check, check marks that I was going to do. And then when USAT approached me about the collegiate recruitment program and going out to train at the Olympic training center, I was like, well, it's not really something you say no to. Like, (laughs) like how many opportunities do you get to go train at the Olympic training center? Um, And it, it was crazy because it was a sport I didn't really know or like hadn't fully grasped what everything was about or like what draft legal meant and like hadn't really ridden in a group. And there was a lot I didn't know, but, um, when we were, my dad, he actually, he drove me out from Maryland to Colorado Springs, which is like a 24 hour drive. (laughs) And about an hour from Colorado, we were, 
or maybe maybe it was an hour from Colorado Springs. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm like, turn around. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm in over my head here kind of thing. And, <laughs> and he was like, because as, as awesome as an opportunity is, it is, it's also super intimidating. I mean, like, Olympians to me, like, there were people during my collegiate career who would say, like, I'm going to be a professional runner. I'm going to go to the Olympics. And I'm like, do you know how many people are like professional athletes and go to the Olympics? Like it's not that many. So like for me, it was something that like, I I guess I didn't think it was really that attainable for me. (laughs) And, and so what my dad told me, he's like, we'll give it a week. And if you're still like unhappy or don't want to do it, like I'll come back, I'll fly back and we'll drive back together the other way. (laughs) And, um, I never called him. I was, I was very happy with my choice. I'm still super stoked on my life right now and (laughs) have no idea how I've gotten this lucky for all these things to fall into place. Like, I know, I know there's hard work behind it, but I also think there's a lot of luck and timing and opportunities that I've been given. Yeah. What is the whole saying? Like being a, a gold medalist takes luck opportunity talent and hard work right like all those together yeah. so. <laughs> I, d- I definitely agree with that haven't gotten the gold medal yet but <laughs> I got all the other stuff <laughs> so how does that so you were at the training center for a while they kind of like teach you how to ride in a tr- group right they teach like they kind of like coach you through it but then eventually I mean you moved on to like a training squad right and then you go off and like do your own thing so yeah, the collegiate recruitment program when I was doing it was set up as more of a short short term, um, like an interim accelerated program, I guess, where um, they provided us with a coach and we we were given like lots of um, resources from specialists and um, yeah, just like different opportunities of camps in Europe and things like that. Right. And then um, in 2014, I was looking for another coach. Um, and that was also when Tommy and I were together as well. And he was being coached by Joel Filial. And I was, I really wanted Joel to take me on. <laughs> like I knew I wanted Joel to be my coach, but I, he didn't know if he wanted to coach me. <laughs> um, because he didn't really know who I was or why he should take me. And um, I kept, so I kept in contact with him while I looked at like other like plans if if Joel wouldn't coach me and I raced Edmonton it was the grand final and I guess it was 2014 yeah and I think I got ninth and I realized if I would have been on his squad like Joel would have had like 25% of the top 10 women (laughs) in his group and I thought that was the coolest thing because I really wanted to learn from people who were better than me and who knew the sport because like up until then I'd just been with other people like me who are just learning the sport. So it was really um, enticing for me to be with like a coach like Joel, who had a lot of uh, similarities and like ideas for training and stuff like that, but also the group that we could make each other better. And so um, after, after the grand final, he, I think that was exactly when he told me like he would, he would let me on his squad and I was super excited. (laughs) And like the, and so now you, I mean, your squad's what, like 20 people, you guys kind you don't train together all the time though. You train together in like camps and then you like go off on your own. Yeah. So 
when I first started, I did like all the camps all year. I would do the winter camps and everything. And then as Tommy and I have gotten a bit better at training together and we do, we do a really good job where I can be fit for the first race, just training with him. So because we travel so much during the actual year, we started staying home for the winters. So November to March, like November to Abu Dhabi, we would train in Santa Cruz and then we would join the squad and we would do all of our training camps and races with them from like March through the end of September, October mm-hmm. with super leagues and stuff. And, um, we do do, I really like respect how much Joel does. He, he has so much, um, on the team aspect of it, but then he's also really good at individualizing each athlete's training plan. So like there's sometimes that even though we're all on the camp together, like non Stanford, who's one of my teammates, like she runs so much faster than me on the track. So, (laughs) so she'll be doing her repeats at a whole different interval that like, I wouldn't, I don't even know if my legs could go that fast if I tried (laughs) not for as long as she does. And, and then Tommy and I will be like, with some of the other girls on like a different interval and it's really cool to see how Joel kind of separates workouts and fixes the workout so that we can do like bits together and bits mm-hmm. individual and like maybe bounce in and out between the different um, workouts together and no one judges each other on like if you're doing more or less or um, and it's just a really cool dynamic because I would say our squad is so good at not racing one another and more like working together to be the best we can be. And like sometimes the interval, like sometimes we'll go a little bit faster for the paces, but like it's more controlled than it is like haywire. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because obviously, I mean, you're all competitive people. You have to race each other on race day. Does that ever cause any tension? I mean, because you and not, for example, are both podium contenders, right? So does that... Like, you're like, oh, well, I know that she does this different, or I know that I'm better here. I mean, it definitely doesn't change it whether, like, the outcome of, like, who finishes where (laughs) for the race. But, like, you you do know, like, you do have an inside perspective of different, of how people are training and, like, um, what their strengths and weaknesses are. So, it does... It does help, but um, in like that sense, but when it comes down to the race, you like understand you're each just trying to do your best. And what's nice is when you are with your squad in like a bike pack and you guys can work together even more to know that you're, you're comfortable working together for, um, cause when you get to the run, it's the run, you're going to go <laughs> as hard as you can, no matter what, like, but particularly for the bike, you kind of like know what you're doing and like my teammates are the most supportive and people that are out there like it's you can hear people cheering like within the race for each other type thing okay so you guys so you think that everyone is like a pretty good vibe in the it because i mean you guys all know each other you see each other during race season over and over and over again right yeah i i really like that i think that's one of the things that has changed from when I first started racing WTS races was I saw people as like threats or I've just felt like I wasn't like good enough or like just had a different image. Like I saw, I saw the people on the start line as competitors and now I see them as friends and like just like, for instance, like racing Jess in Georgia last year and like we were, 
consistently on the podium together for a lot of the races. And it was just, it was awesome. It was really fun to race them and like, know you're going out, you're just going to go for the, the win or whatever it is. But like Jess and Georgia. So when I crashed in Tokyo, like Mm -hmm. Jess and Georgia had their own issues to deal with because they got disqualified for crossing the finish, holding hands. But yet, they went out and got like frozen lollies for me and brought them to me and like checked on me. And like so many of my competitors after like the test event where everybody had like, that was a pretty important event for most of the people there Mm -hmm. and the amount of support and love and care that I felt from all those people, whether they were like upset or could be like super happy, they all reached out and like, it's, it's an amazing feeling and it grounds me just like knowing how supportive and awesome the community is that I'm surrounded by. That's, I mean, that's nice. I it's like nice to think that everybody likes each other and isn't like stabbing each other in the back. Right. So yeah, I yeah. mean, I feel like it should be that way. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys right now? I mean, obviously you've been training by yourself or with Tommy um, and you haven't seen seen anybody for months. Do you guys still talk on group chats? Do you like Swift ride together? How do you like keep that going? Little bit of just like WhatsApp. Joel yeah. keeps a whole team like group text going, and then just like bouncing in around with like Instagram, like <laughs> following people, and then just like they post a story, and you're just like write whatever you want for like a little, (laughs) little blivert. So it's nothing, I wouldn't say it's anything organized, but um, it's checking in with people just like randomly. Mm -hmm. And Tommy, I'm not a big Zwift rider. I much prefer, I like the platform, but I much prefer riding outside. Um, Tommy is much more of the get on and go chat with people for (laughs) however long hours and he, he probably just excited that he's talking to someone other than me but. <laughs> you guys uh you guys were also on uh the show right the small house show what was it called tiny, tiny house, house nation. tiny house nation <laughs> do you guys still live in the tiny house is that still a thing no right now we're renting out the tiny house no. and we think we're gonna move probably more east coast when we actually settle down to be well a little more affordable on the east coast uh where we're looking than santa cruz california and also um we figure with that like it'll be close to my family and then it'll be much less stressful to fly back to tommy's family um whenever we can so um yeah we're excited for possibly settling down somewhere that's that's a pretty big excitement for us yeah it's interesting so do you that sounds like you're looking forward ahead to like post Olympics, whenever Olympics happens, post traveling around, what are your plans, you know, for after Tokyo? No idea. Well, <laughs> I have ideas, okay. but I haven't decided which idea will be will be the one. I mean, for us, like I always saw 2021 as like a wiggle room year. So I think that's why it's been easier for me to handle the fact that the Olympics got pushed back a year because I hadn't really known what I was going to do in 2021. So now I'm like, well, now I know what I'm doing. But, um, (laughs) but I really would like to try, um, to do like half Ironman. I don't know if I can fully commit to the Ironman distance yet, but 
I really think I'd like to give it a shot and see see what I can do on um, in that distance. But I, we also really want to start a family. So I think it's going to be a race to see which happens first. And um, we're going to start trying to have a family. But who knows, like, how long that might take. So then um, we'll also keep – I think I want to keep doing this. Because I, the thing is, I'm, I feel like I can keep improving with triathlon. I don't feel like I'm, like – hit my peak or I'm not tired. Like I, I like my job. I love my job. So, um, so it's not something that I necessarily want to stop doing, but I do probably more so want to have a family and start that and then see if I can be a mom and a triathlete. I know plenty of women do it and plenty of women don't. So I don't know where I fall. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sounds reasonable, right? Wait and see. Yeah, that's Basically, that's my plan. The wait and see plan. The wait and see plan. <laughs> um, I usually would ask people like kind of what their plans are for the year. But I think, you know, obviously right now you're just sort of waiting and seeing, right? Like waiting to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, so we have a few races on the schedule. Um, Hamburg is scheduled for the first week in September. Um, and then some of the... Uh, Montreal just got rescheduled for the first week in October, and then some of the Super Leagues are sprinkled in there. But um, the news about the uh, Schengen region not having United States on the list right. was not um, super optimistic. <laughs> but I also know, like, the USOPC is trying to work on – because it's for, like um, – what's the, what's the word for, like, not not essential travel, but if they can get – like a not a pass but like a, a waiver like waiver right. of some sort saying that what our job is essential <laughs> <laughs> um which so like so yeah it is a it is a bit of a waiting game but right now I'm I think what's like my training is ramping up as if I'm planning to race okay. like the first week in September and I think like we would probably want to do that anyways, regardless of racing or not, just to have, because since like the COVID stuff started, re- training has been a bit more like mellowed out. And so it's going to be important to like do something to like build up to. Um, and hopefully that's racing. Um, but yeah, we, we don't, there's days where I feel like we are going to race and there's days where I feel like there's impossible. So we'll see how it goes. Right. Cause I was about to say what has your trip, but it's been, you kind of pulled back once all this happened, been more mellow, more pick and choose. And now you're starting to ramp back up kind of. Yeah. So yeah. when we, when things first happened, like Joel really gave us like a lot more flexibility and mm-hmm. he was really specific with me because for me, my training is like, energy management is a huge part for me and so like I can't I would have done terrible if I tried to grind it out for the last few months and then by the time there was a chance to race I probably would have been just like burnt out and not ready to go whereas like now and so he would give me I asked I was like can I just have a lot of choice which I found that if he gives me choice in my training plan like it'll be like ride two to three hours but like often I'll choose to actually do like the longer one, but it doesn't feel like I'm being like forced to do it. So it makes it seem better. It's uh, this whole mind thing that I got going on. (laughs) Joel knows me really well. So it works out pretty, (laughs) it works out pretty good. But um, 
he so he did that and then more recently it's like okay well <laughs> once I start like not choosing to do things so much then he starts adding a little bit more structure so then he's like it was okay like, <laughs> yeah he's like all right well we're gonna and it was funny because I didn't even say anything but like I started having like I was having like choice workouts for um some of the long runs and stuff like that and I just like wasn't really doing them and then like right when I was about to tell him like okay you might want to start adding like specific workouts if you want me to do it because I'm not like creating any in my mind right now I got it it was like in my plan already and I was like oh that's so cool like he knows me (laughs) so well (laughs) but um and then now it's like this this week or last week and this week I'm like okay yep we're getting back into things which is so weird to be building like we normally build in like January or February like that structure is basically what I have right now and and it's a very weird time to be doing it because we've never done it like in July or June. Right, right. You're doing the things you normally would be doing in like March or February or whatever. Yeah, exactly. All right. But you kind of have to proceed as if races are happening or else you won't be ready for races, right? So. Yeah. And it's just, it's ni- it's nice because you're, it gives you something to aim for. And like, all you can do is think that they're going to happen and prepare and if they don't like like I'm not I I can't say I'd be like surprised but Mm -hmm. right now I'm really happy to have them on the schedule and know like this block is going to last until this (laughs) this time because that gets me through and then if we don't race Joel if you're listening I imagine (laughs) I'm gonna have a recovery week (laughs) you're like that would be ideal right yeah yeah (laughs) It sucks when you think that in your head, though, and then it doesn't make it to the calendar, and you're like, oh, shit. Right. There was a, <laughs> there was a time a couple of weeks back where I was like, Joel, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need a down week. And he's like, is it mental or physical? And I was like, well, it's not physical yet, and it's not mental yet, but I was like, I'm telling you, if I don't do it now, I'm going to want it later, and now seems like a better time than later. <laughs> so he's like that's reasonable. I said, okay. So I got my down week. There you go. See, it sounds like you have good communication, right? Yes, communication, key in every aspect of life. <laughs> I feel like you've just been, you know, full of tips today. So people are learning oh, yeah. things. Yeah, enjoy these gems, everybody. <laughs> so we've been, uh, we've been kind of finishing with a would you rather a lot of, a lot of weeks uh, for fun. So here's my one for you, okay? Would you, would you rather only be able to train with Tommy or have your whole squad be able to train with your whole squad, but not Tommy? Oh, that's a mean would you rather. I know. Well, I was like, well, I was trying to think of like, because you guys spend so well, much time together. But then that's got to. Is he still like... married to me? <laughs> he's, still the, he's still there, just not training with me? Right. Or he's not there at all? No, no, he's still there, but he's not, but you can't train with him. Then I would say my squad. Okay. As long as he's there. As long as he's still there. But I don't like the question. Okay. Noted. (laughs) (laughs) And also, I'm really missing my squad right now. I can see that. And I'm not missing Tommy. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for people who don't know, we also had Tommy shoot Katie for the cover of the magazine. So they spend all their time together. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's actually when we race, when 
on race weekends is when we see each other the least because he'll be working for ITU and I'll be like getting ready to race. And that's when we like barely see each other to the point where sometimes I ask him like after the race, I'm like, Oh, like how'd I do? And he's just like, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's not helpful. And then he watches it and then he'll tell me. Okay. Good. Good. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us. And, um, and thanks for, you know, talking to us for the magazine too, which everybody can go, you know, get and read your whole story now. So, and good luck with the whole rest of the year. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Katie for chatting and to her husband, Tommy, for shooting our magazine cover. Thanks to our editors and staff and to all of you for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed that as much as I did. And don't forget to subscribe for more great content. Keep training and keep at it.